Well, it's good to be with you today and those that are watching not present. We see you. Everyone here, say hi to everybody not here. Yeah, there we go. Well, man, it is so good to be with you. Uh, I uh, realized a long time ago um, that uh, I thought I preached really calmly. I thought I preached really calmly, and then they did a, a sound check, and it was like, God bless you. How are you doing today? And then they're like, the, the sound tech was like, can you talk like you normally do? You shout a lot. I'm like, oh, that's okay. Well, good news is you've never had a powerful, impassioned speaker ever get hot or excited on stage before, so this will be your first time ever hearing somebody pumped up. Okay. Thank you. Yep, I know. Uh, you all know. If you know, you know. I hate when people say that, but you know what I'm saying. So, uh, man, we're so grateful to be here. My wife and I, Lindy, our little son, Ev, didn't make it. But listen, uh, I just want to give a little bit, but uh, Brett gave a, a great intro. You know, uh, for me, it, knowing that I was going to be a pastor was something that the Lord was doing when I was growing up that I, hadn't, I couldn't see. You know, it's one of those things that parents maybe see their kid and you can, you can already identify at young ages that they're doing something that will make them good at that other thing. I remember when I was like eight or ten years old, I remember in uh, elementary school and early middle school that when a pastor was preaching, I was taking out notes and making notes and saying, oh, if, if I would have been preaching that, I would have said this. Who, who at ten is correcting a pastor? You know, like who's doing that? And, and, and that's why, and, and, and that's why, that's why, it, uh, the, um, you know, and then I remember at a young age also my parents would say, man, when there was people that were difficult or people that were uh, a little, let's say misfits or outcasts, there was this heart that I had at a young child, I would go to minister to them, to love on them, person that's playing alone on the playground, I would go and, um, and, and my parents said at a very young age, there's just something that I would do that I would have a heart for those that maybe were the outcast. And then later my wife and I would become pastors and we joined this congregation and, and I remember this prayer, this specific prayer, uh, Lord, send us the people that nobody wants and we'll try our best to be stewards of them. I, I, I will tell you, some pra- prayers are scary. You don't want all answer, prayers answered, okay? And this was one that the Lord sent people that, uh, well, they were difficult. And I found out uh, a long time ago in church, not, not you folk, not you nice, calm, uh, beautiful, collected, godly, holy people, but the people that I encountered, it's funny that, you know, um, if you were weird before you said yes to Jesus, you're going to be weird after. And unfortunately... Uh, we kept finding ourselves around people that had difficulties, and then I eventually just discovered, oh, that's, that's what pastoring is. <laughs> We're all a piece of work. We all need to be saved by God's grace. And so I'm grateful to be here, but that compassion narrative was part of just, it, it, it's, it's just part of who I was as a young kid. And then when I uh, became a full-time pastor, I got um, ministered to, uh, mentored by this pastor that actually reminds me a lot of Pastor Peter, you know, just five years older than me, uh, but equally as energetic. Actually, when I get to be five years older, I want to have as much energy as Pastor Peter uh, or the, the fervor or the passion or the humor because he's a funny guy. But the, I had a pastor, a mentor that would, that kind of came around me and he had so much energy. I'm like, I want to be like this guy, man. This guy's awesome. And we uh, were at this church. It used to be called Calvary Temple. If, you're a, um, if you've been in Colorado a long time or it, it changed to City Point Church, it's now changed again. Um, but, uh, but we, this mission of compassion ended up it, it, completely changing our entire mission and vision for the church. Our entire mission vision changed from this city church to, it, church, it changed to, we exist to show compassion to the world because God first showed compassion on us. And we started doing things that looked a little different than we had been doing before. We started doing, uh, with the young adults, we started doing monthly outreaches and we were going to food banks and we were going to homeless shelters and, and buildings for Habitat for Humanity, holding dinners for, um, for single parents 
and, and that was beautiful. And then the rest of the church was like, wait, how come the young kids are doing it? We want to do it. And so then they started doing monthly outreaches. And then so, we, so now we're doing two monthly outreaches outside of our church. And I heard this a long time ago, and it always compelled me. It always compelled me. There's, there's a great line, and I don't know who said it because I've misquoted it three times, saying it was somebody else, and then I researched, and it was somebody else who said it. So I'll just say, a famous person once said, if your, if your ministry, if your church, the sanctuary, closed its doors tomorrow, would the city be impacted? Ooh. If you, cha- if you closed ministry down today, would anybody know? Now, what's beautiful is I, I've spent about five minutes in the church and already know that there's, uh, that the cookie outreach was going to be a uh, blessing a group. Pastor Susan told me I can't make it up because I'm going to be loving on some people in the foyer. And then I, I saw a mound of clothes as well, uh, which shows that you guys were collecting clothes for another ministry. So, uh, so you guys got a pretty good start here. It's okay to, to, every once in a while, it's okay to do, good job, guys. No? Just me? Okay. So this is clearly something that's already been working in, in this church's heart. Um, but, uh, so my wife and I then have continued to do ministry. We got to go to Ethiopia. You can throw up, Sasha, that, um, that there's a, a, a picture of us as a large group. Can you see that? Um, there's about 20,000 people there. 20,000 people in Ethiopia. We're just taking uh, one selfie in front of the group, you know. We're doing one of those guys. And then um, just, just for my own just edification, I found a video of them in the middle of worship. And, uh, and could you play that video? Yes, 20,000 people. Wow, that makes my knee joints just get a little sore, right? You realize real quickly that you think you have rhythm until you see 10, 20,000 people all dancing it in one motion and you realize, I'll do this. <laughs> this is all I got. <laughs> all right, it's beautiful. We've been able to do, uh, there's I think a couple other photos of, of us. I got to do a a, a soccer tournament in Ethiopia, um, and then my wife uh, also with us. Man, we got to do some pretty cool things, but all under this banner of compassion. And so that is what, um, then uh, years later, I mentioned that we started volunteering at all these places, volunteering at all these places, and then I was allowed uh, the opportunity, the privilege to go serve and become a pastor at Christ's Body Ministries. And wouldn't you believe it, Christ's Body Ministries, that's what we just did for Thanksgiving this last, uh, this last week. Uh, 400 Thanksgiving meals on the streets, St. Francis Center we went to, and it was a beautiful outreach. And wouldn't you believe it, I looked back at some photos and discovered Christ Body Ministries was one of the places that we had volunteered five years earlier when we began those outreaches from my previous church. So something was stirring up in me. I'm, I'm now the, the lead pastor there, but we, we changed the whole mission and vision around this compassion. And so that's what I'm sharing today. This, this t-shirt and, and what uh, the, the title of our, my sermon today is called Compassion Works. Compassion Works. It's a play on words. I love my dad jokes, and so I'm always looking for ways to throw in puns. But uh, compassion works because compassion requires work. And if it's done effectively, it's a great strategy because compassion works. So let me pray as we get started now that I'm two hours in with my intro. Hallelujah. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being here. God, you you. Uh, came into the world almost, what, 2,000 years ago when the world was darkest and you brought the light of the world. Lord, I thank you for the first week of Advent that we're reminded of hope that is in Christ Jesus. And we don't hope the way the world hopes because we have a different hope. And it is all centered around you. Lord, I pray that our, our hearts would be open today. 
Lord, that there would be no compulsion, there would be no forcing, no pressure, but Lord, only by your Holy Spirit would you be nudging us right now. And perhaps you want to speak to our hearts about compassion and what we can do to be the light of the world, to be the hands and feet. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. So I want to talk again, compassion works. I want to talk about what compassion is and use similar language. So there's a modern definition and a biblical definition. Let's go first to more of the modern definition, okay? You can see up there, it says, um, the definition for compassion is sympathetic pity and concern for sufferings or misfortunes of others, okay? It's, it's, I feel bad for something. It's, it's, I, I feel a little nudging. Oh, that's too bad. You know, uh, it, it's, it's you see, you pass somebody on the street and say, oh man, that's so bad. That's so sad. What a pity. I wish I could do something. Too bad. It's, it's what they try and get you to do during all of those Hallmark Christmas movies, which have the same plot of 800 movies. They all have the same plot. You see, I got three or four smiles. You know who you are who watch those Hallmark movies that are the same. They try and get a little emotional response, try and tug your heart a little bit, but what do you do with that emotional response? Nothing. <laughs> it's just, it, 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 oh, that's, oh, I wish I could do so. Oh, that's too bad. But, and, and for all of you English majors, my wife was an English major, and so she loves this, the part of speech, noun, person, place, or thing. The thing is that feeling. That thing is sadness, tear-jerking, Oh, sympathy. Oh, that's too bad. Okay. But, but I saw something that just blew my mind. And this, like I said, this began years ago for me. So I'm speaking. I don't need any notes. I could just speak from my heart on this. Um, I, I just brought notes because I was told I can't go two hours. But, um, but so the definition that we see in the New Testament is slightly different. Look at this. Oh, does anybody feel real brave right now to try and attempt to say that word. Okay, how about everybody, so you see that uh, under the definition uh, of compassion, biblical, the Greek lexicon, there's that word right underneath. Okay, I want everybody on the count of three, and if you're at home, do the same thing. I want you to make an attempt at this word on the count of three. One, two, three. That sounded like a gazuntite. Bless you. Sounded like somebody needs some tissues in here. Splanchnitzomai. Splanchnitzomai is, that word is the, is the New Testament definition for compassion. And I want you to see this. What is it def, the de, defined as? To be moved in the inward parts. To feel compassion in a deep place as to elicit a response. Ooh. Being moved to do something. To being moved to action. It says, in, it's almost like being twisted in the inner bowels of your stomach. And, and you know, uh, listen, we think we have a lot of free will. But when your tummy is rumbling, you make some decisions. You, you go on Grubhub and you get some food. You go out uh, to the store and get some groceries. When, you're, when your stomach is feeling a yearning, you immediately do something. And don't tell me you don't because I've seen a pregnant wife. And when she was pregnant and she said, I need a bite of a pickle with some peanut butter on it, you don't ask questions. You get it, okay? That's some wisdom for everybody in this room. When your stomach is telling you to do something, you do it, okay? It, it, this, this yearning, this deep, but it's even bigger than just, okay, a, a tummy growling. It's something deep within you that desires to make a change. But I want you to see the, the part of speech that looks different. What does it say? It's not a noun anymore. It's not just a feeling. It gets moved into a verb. It's beautiful. So today, what I want, the, the basic definition for us to be on the same page is, is compassion is not a noun. Compassion is a verb. Compassion is a verb. A, a great scripture that, that um, I, most people don't know. A lot of people know uh, John 3.16, but they don't know 1 John 3.16. Let's go to that now. Uh, here's kind of a good little definition of, of maybe compassion language. It says, uh, we know that real love, uh, what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. It requires sacrifice, giving. Verse 17, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, 
How can God's love be in that person? In verse 18, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. So a definition then that I'll give, godly compassion compels us to action. Some really smart, cool, thoughtful pastor who sometimes guest preaches at places named Sterling once said, Godly compassion compels us to action. Okay, that was my crafty way of trying to make myself sound smarter, but a really smart pastor once said it. Godly compassion compels us to action. Okay, um, so, uh, so why does godly compassion look different than we see of kind of our modern definition, that feeling like, oh, that's, I, felt, I felt something. Well, why does it matter uh, you know, I, I said this before. Uh, my belief is what, what that is sharing in 1 John three sixteen through 18 is, is that we exist to show compassion to the world because God first showed compassion on us. It was because Jesus first. Now, that's a good answer to most Christian answers. Well, Jesus did it, so you should do it. And, and, and I get that, and I think that it's good language. However, I often find that when you just say, well, Jesus did it, so do it. Listen, if that intellectually mattered, if you, if you got that, then you would be doing a lot of things differently if just because Jesus did it. So we got to make, there's a difference between believing it, understanding it, the thought behind it, and actually getting it down to move those 18 inches to our heart where we are compelled to act upon it. You guys following me? So we know the answer is, well, Jesus did it. Okay, but he, could I give w- one more step than this? Uh, that word, spankinitzomai, um, bless you, uh, was said 12 times in all of the New Testament. And I want you to hear this. It is exclusively used in the context of Jesus either teaching or Jesus' actions exclusively. So there's a lot of different versions of Christianity. What I'm advocating for you today in this room, that this should model Christianity more, uh, more than lots of the things that we've decided to do. And, and listen, the, the reason why there's so many different churches, denominations, is because we've all taken different pieces of, of, of Christianity, the Christian walk of the Bible, and that we've just given a little bit more emphasis into different things. And I think that is totally permissible that your heart at this church, the sanctuary, has a different heart than my church, Rain Church in, our, uh, uh, in uh, Aurora or Christ Body Ministries in Denver, that, that there's, there's differences and that's acceptable. What I'm advocating for is that compassion should be part of all of our vernacular, and it often isn't. Compassion is something that is said 12 times in the New Testament, exclusively connected to Christ. And so uh, a, a great Charles Spurgeon quote says this, we should lead people to Christ, not our version of Christianity. And so, so I believe this is the following exactly in the character, the model of Christ. Can I give you a couple examples of that? Just, just uh, since I've spent a little bit more time in it, can I share so that you know I'm not making something up? I got three examples of that compassion language. And, and these are not just small scriptures. These are not just small stories. The, the, the first one is the feeding of the 5,000. The second is the return of the prodigal son. And lastly is the, the uh, story of the Good Samaritan. Would you guys agree and, and just nod because I've asked for it. Can you nod to show me that, that is a, those are pretty big stories within scripture? Okay. Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's go into the first one in uh, Mark uh, chapter 6. It says this. Uh, Mark chapter 6, and it's verse 34. And, and just so you know, I teach out of the New Living Translation. Um, I'm just trying to be cool and hip. And since that's like the new NIV, you know, in five years, there'll be another new one. I'm sure that'll be me because I'm so cool. But Mark six thirty-four says this. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion, that word, compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them. That precedes the the feeding. Beautiful. And I love this. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He recognized that it took more than just seeing them and saying, that's so sad. 
he had to actually do something to care for, for them. He, be, he then began to teach them from scriptures. And then later, that compassion that continued in other, um, now that's recorded in three of the four gospels. In, in the other gospels, it says language like, he already knew what their need was before they asked. Knowing, uh, hey, hey, disciples, what are you going to do? Now you got a bunch of people, you got to feed them. And, and it says, and Jesus knew already what they were going to say before they said it. He already had the answer because he was caring for them their hearts, and for their tummies. Hallelujah. So that's, the, that's one example in Mark 6. Beautiful. Luke 15, 20 has another example. This is the response from the prodigal, uh, from the father, uh, interacting with his son. Verse 20 says this. So he returned home to his father. This is what, right after the bargaining stage where the son is saying, well, even my father's slaves are better off than I am. I'm going to go back to the Father. At least they eat better than I'm doing by myself. Luke 15, 20. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him running, saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. If you go further in the scripture, and I encourage you, you can write these down or ask me after. I'll give you all the notes. And, and what's beautiful is that, that the son was already thinking of excuses for what he was going to say. And, and don't we do this sometimes as children when we come back to our, our father in heaven? Well, you, you, the only reason why I didn't do this because it, because uh, it, because it was tired and I was and I ran out of time to go to church and because I didn't give this week because and and he he was already it says he was already contemplating how he was going to give excuses to the father and his father instead of allowing him to make those excuses put a robe on him put a ring on him gave him new shoes and then said it's party time because the lost has now been returned. Compassion for the lost being returned. Beautiful. It says there's that, that Luke 15 has those three, the lost coin, the lost son, and the lost sheep. And it says that there is a celebration in heaven when that lost is returned. Ooh. I pray that we'd be a people that, that the things that break God, breaks God's heart would break our hearts. But the things that are worthy to celebrate, we get a little excited for. And lastly, we'll sit in this a little bit longer than the other ones, or we'll go back to it, is the Good Samaritan. And that's, uh, you know, in Luke chapter 10. Um, and again, it's a story of this Jewish man that uh, is traveling by himself. And, um, you know, I, I'm almost reminded of the language in Ecclesiastes 4 that talks about the companionship. If, if one person falls on their travels, the other one is there to pick them up. So he didn't follow that wisdom literature. He's traveling by himself and he gets mugged and he's left uh, broken and beaten um, uh, you know, obviously there's two different interactions, verse 31 and 32, that, of somebody that came by. And I like this. Check this out. Uh, verse 31, by chance, a priest came along, uh, came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. <laughs> verse 32 says like a, a temple administrator, or there's a lot of different language. You could just say another person that was spiritual also saw the need and walked past it. Uh, just stop there. Just a couple thoughts there. First off, I love how the scripture, the, the writer there says, by chance, this, uh, by chance, a, ran, uh, a spiritual person walked by. Don't you know that the Lord does not work in chance and karma and, uh, and, and possibilities that the Lord has godly appointments for you? That there's opportunities all the time if we would just see people. You know what I mean by that? It's actually language that we started changing for Christ Body Ministries. Apparently everywhere I go, you, which I, I help change the mission and vision to compassion. So don't make me stay here too long. I'm going to get in somebody's ear. You know you could be doing compassion work. So, uh, so Christ Body Ministries, we changed our language and our mission and vision to say that we see the homeless. We love and we care for them and we help them rise. That's, that's, one of, uh, that's one of the things that we went through a couple years ago. But we see the homeless. And you get what I'm saying is it says that he saw him 
and he walked on the other side of the street. Not my issue. See, there's this interesting uh, principle in psychology that if we believe we're the only ones that are going to interact with them, it tends to elicit a response. But there's a group conscience that when you believe that there's tons of other people are seeing this, so somebody will get it, somebody else will do it, that we tend to uh, absolve ourselves from the responsibility of caring for those that are in need because we say, well, somebody else will do it. I believe that that's maybe what you're reading there. So, somebody else will do it. Ooh, that's going to take some time. Yeah, I'm going to, somebody else will do it. And you know what I see, you know, for us being uh, at Christ Body Ministries, we work with the chronically homeless. And so what we see all the time are people that, uh, that, that will walk on the other side of the street when you see somebody dirty coming your way. Where, I don't know if that person's safe, so I'm going to, what's that mom? Did you call me? And you just happen to walk the other way, you know? Uh, and and it, we often see people that know, and, and listen, that, that feels smooth, but often people that are in that position know that people are avoiding them, know that people are not talking to them. And so us at Christ's body, what we just decided is that one of the things that we can do best to give dignity is just acknowledge that they're there. I, I know that sounds like this incredible biblical uh, principle. Your minds are blown. Okay, look at people and notice them. Okay, woo, we're blessed. Let's get out of here. Let's do lunch. It, 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 that's one piece. Uh, acknowledgement is a piece and it is important. But there's something deeper about actually noticing them and noticing that you can do something about it. In, in, that, in that first um, John 3.16, it's if you have the ability to help them, then don't just talk about it, do it. It, it reminds me of that scripture that says, um, somebody comes to you naked and hungry and you say, and you tell them, all right, God bless you, have a great day, but you've done nothing to actually bless them. <laughs> How can they be blessed when you've done nothing to bless the need that was in front of you? Does that sound like a, did I just get so theological that no one in this room can understand? I get it. I am incredibly intelligent. Uh, no, I, I think that's pretty, I, I think we're all tracking, right? I'm not, I, I haven't said anything too crazy here, but the first part is seeing people, acknowledging people, and not saying that somebody else will take care of it. What can I do? Do I have the means to bless that person where they're at? It's a beautiful picture. A beautiful picture. Um, so we have lots of different um, reasons why we say no. I just want to go over a couple of those reluctancies. I, I say reluctancies because it sounds better than saying excuses. And no one wants to be condemned, right? So uh, how about I share a couple reluctancies that I see on a daily basis in our ministry at Christ's body. But what I also hear most people sharing as they talk about um, being compassionate. And the first one, compassion is not convenient. Showing compassion is not convenient. When you look at the story, uh, in, in, I'll just give you one example. Um, uh, Jesus in Mark chapter 5, it says that the moment he got off of the boat, he had a plan to do something. And then there was this, I believe it's Jairus, uh, came, uh, came to him. One of the wealthier individuals of the city came to him and said, my daughter is sick. Can you help, teacher? So, so Jesus, the moment he gets off of the boat, starts walking to do whatever he was going to do. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even say that what he was going to do. He was on the path to do something, and then a person interrupted him. I, just track this, okay? I know what it's like to get home from work, and the moment you get in from the house, uh, work, hey, we need this done. Can you pick this up? Can you do this? Now, my wife is not very demanding of me, so I'm just kind of a whiner, but, the, uh, but th th have you ever been in that where you're in the middle of something and somebody asks, hey, can you do this? How frustrating that may be sometimes. That you were distracted when you took me out of what I was doing, and, and what you almost never see in all of Scripture, go ahead, you can take a look. When did Jesus seek uh, inconvenience as a reason to not serve somebody or bless somebody? 
It says that every person that came to Jesus, he did heal, but he didn't heal everyone. So there was, that he was inconvenienced often, and yet it did not hamper his ability to minister. But, let, but do you understand what I say? He did not heal thousands of people in one city. He healed everybody that came to him. He was inconvenienced a lot and still loved and served whoever came to him. Conven- so then he goes to, uh, he's going, he was going to a different direction in Mark chapter 5. Then he gets told, hey, you got to come heal my daughter. And then on the way, he's passing through a crowd. And then there's this woman that struggles with bleeding. She touches his robe and said, and power has left him. And he says, whoa, 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 something just happened. So then he has another chance encounter. Then after that chance encounter, then he goes to the house. And then it doesn't say anything after. Do you think he had extra time for what he needed? I think for that kind of pacing, I'm not advocating that we become a people that just pace everything faster and faster and faster. I think we actually need to have more rest in our structure of our lives. So I'm not advocating, hey, you, you're not doing anything. You got to do more stuff. I, I just think that there's more opportunity that we see one of the answers is, well, it's not easy. That's not convenient. And so I'm not going to do that. I just see the evidence that Jesus, he met when people had a need. He was inconvenienced often, which you saw some great ministry being done. But oftentimes it says then following that, that he needed to get away the next morning to spend time with his heavenly father because he just poured a lot out. And it's awful hard. You people in this room that are the givers, maybe you need to hear this today, that if you're always the one pouring out, but you're not being poured back in, maybe that you're pulling from a dry well, so receive no condemnation, that you need to do more. Maybe you need to receive today that the Holy Spirit's saying, actually, you need to be poured into today (laughs) and not give more. There's some of you that need to probably receive that and the Holy Spirit will probably illuminate that better than I can. Let there be no pressure or condemnation for this message that you've got to be doing more unless the Holy Spirit is saying, it's time to get out of the pew. It's time to get out. It's time to do more than you were doing before. It's amazing though that you have a church structure, a church leadership that it's clearly been modeled because this, you know, literally in this one service, I appreciate you guys showing off for me, three mentions of different homeless ministries or ministries in one service. By the way, that's unusual. Again, I know you guys don't do this, but way to go. Way to go. The second thing, reluctance, and I'll be quick with these last couple here. Counting the cost. The first one, again, that we said is it's not convenient. Second, compassion as a cost. You know, in verse uh, 34 and 35, we, we find out what the Good Samaritan ended up doing. And it, was, it really was above and beyond. In verse 34, it says, Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine, bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey so that he had to walk by himself while the other man was taken care of. Took him to the end where he took care of him. And then the next day, he handed the innkeeper silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. And if the bill runs over, it's on my bill. Whew. That sounds like going above and beyond. That sounds like the, the answer of, ah, Oh, that'll cost a little bit. Oh, that's a little, that's more than I was hoping for. Okay. Eh, that's more than I wanted to do. Well, listen, if you don't have money, you can volunteer. If you don't have, uh, if you don't want to volunteer, you can gather clothes. Hey, I heard of a ministry somewhere around here that started collecting clothes for Christ Body Ministries. That sounds like a good, that sounds like a good church. I should protect, check that place out. Or maybe there's just some people in your direct community that you can be a blessing to. Now, you guys wouldn't know anything about this, but a couple blocks from you is a homeless encampment that I heard that some churches in your local area, I'm not going to say names, but maybe loving on, giving coffee and, and, and welcoming, even this morning. Again, I'm not going to say names, but some churches are doing that. But more than just, okay, I have the context of homeless ministry. I get it. So, so I'm naturally thinking, okay, Christ's body ministries, how can you engage the homeless? But it's, it's far more than that. It's far more than that. You got a coworker that you know is struggling. Maybe we go from that compassion word that we use, oh, that feels bad, to can we actually do something about that? Do you have a family member that's hurting? 
And maybe right now the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, what can you do today to bless them? You know, this makes it sound like my wife and I are the ones that are always like helping other people. Like we are the, the, the holy ones and you guys need to receive from us wise counselors, right? Uh, but I just want to give a, a quick story. I got two stories to end here. Um, two stories and one scripture. Okay, so it's longer than I thought. Uh, one story is that um, two years ago, uh, my wife, uh, about a couple months after giving birth to our son, had, had some major complications and, um, and, and things were just not right. She was not right. She had no energy. She was throwing up. She, she, she was struggling to just very normal things. Couldn't really do her business. She was a successful photographer. Stuff was wrong. And they just kept saying, oh, you're just pregnant. That's what, that's what just pregnancy does. And then they said, oh, COVID? You had COVID one time? Oh, that's called long COVID. You'll get over that. I, I'm sure that'll go away eventually. And all these people could just kept saying, ah, that's normal. That's normal. Well, uh, almost two years ago now, um, February 10th, uh, we went into the ER and they did some scans and they said, Mrs. Copeland, you have a significant cancerous brain tumor. It's okay if it gets quiet. You weren't ready for that. And at its largest point, it looks kind of like the width of like a hockey puck or an orange. So my wife, with our six-month-old son, we find out our whole life is uprooted. My wife, uh, Lindy, who's here, um, went through over a year of hospitalization, just finished radiation a couple weeks ago, and can I just say, hey, a praise report, the, the end of the story is better that she continues to improve right now, but we got the official word that the tumor has not grown back and she's officially cancer-free. That's a time to celebrate. Woo! And I've had to do some single dad stuff for a year and a half. And um, while my wife was healing, you know, I, I'm reminded of this. It, uh, my friend Jay, Jay, who's with the team, he, he gave me such a good word. And I, and I now uh, uh, copyrighted it and took it. So now um, everyone thinks that I'm super smart. But uh, I now have what I prayed for two years ago. I now have what I prayed for a year ago. I now have what I prayed for six months ago. It's easy to go to the next thing and say like, well, God, will you help me with this and treat him like a vending machine? But, but, but I have today what I asked for. Lord, would she live? Would she be a mom again? Lord, I know she's paralyzed. Could you, could you help her walk again? Lord, could she come home? Lord, could she be cancer-free? Listen, I have all of those things. But during that time, the reason why I tell you that whole story is that we went from the people that were pouring out to a season where we need to just be poured in. We just needed to receive. And the amount of people that did daycare for our son, the amount of people that dropped off groceries to our house, the amount of people that I would just look in my baby bag and there would be an anonymous uh, person that has an envelope with cash in it that said, for, to bless you guys. I don't know who those people are. I will never know this side of heaven who those people are, but we had person after person after person. If you want, I would be happy to share after the service with all the amounts of times that people showed love and compassion on us. It wasn't just, oh, I feel bad for them. I feel bad enough deep in my heart to do something about it. The last, uh, well, well, I guess there's two that I should say that, um, Another reluctance is how do I do it the right way? Well, it requires wisdom and discernment. Uh, if you're going to show compassion in this place, I would just encourage you, let it not be um, that you're just going into campsites and like, hey, my pastor told me to start helping people. Okay, that's a way that people get, in, get hurt. <laughs> Don't do that. There's lots of ministries that can help with that. We're happy to help you. Wisdom and discernment. Don't just, hey, he told me to start giving everything I had up. You know, hey, listen, if you want to donate a car, Again, my name is Sterling Copeland. If you'd like to write a check, million is spelled with an M, billion with a B. I'm happy, humbly to receive that. Okay, uh, but, but that's not the point. You need to have wisdom and discernment. Last, lastly, one scripture and a, a story to close. 
I think oftentimes when it comes to compassion, we have a desire to know the outcome. Well, well, if I only knew if this person, if I spend some time evangelizing to this person, well, maybe they'll say yes to Jesus. I got to see that, pastor. Before, before I leave, I got to make sure that they make a heart commitment to Christ. Or uh, when I give that money, hey, how are you going to use that money? Oh, that's a good one, right? We've all done that at the corner uh, of a street. Well, I didn't want to give to them because I knew they were going to just do it for drugs. Again, wisdom, discernment, there's maybe some truth to that. You could be enabling a habit. However, I think oftentimes that's our, one of our reluctances is before I do this, I need to see some fruit of it. I need to see the ends of the story. Paul wrote something about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 6 through 7, he said, I planted the seed in their hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting, who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. An element of this is that we do have to have it open-handed to give it to God. This is beautiful language, compassion language. I hope that your heart is being stirred up. But listen, that you are not the end of that story. <laughs> God is working right now in hearts. You could be that person that just looks at somebody and says, how you doing? What brings you here today? What's your name? You could be the one to text your family after service right now and say, hey, I know you've been going through something. What can me and my family do for you? I guarantee you right now the Holy Spirit's giving you somebody. There's people next to you that are giving somebody. Don't, don't elbow somebody next to you. They're listening. The, the, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you who. There's opportunity for us all the time. My ask is that, that this godly compassion would compel us to action. That you would not just feel something this holiday season, but could you do a little bit more with that feeling? Could it turn into action? And to, to show this, my wife, um, my wife has a great story. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take her story and leave you with one illustration. My wife uh, went on this thing called the World Race. It's 11 months, 11 countries. It was an 11-month um, missions trip, okay? And we dated through it. We were using internet cafes to talk. When she was gone for 11 months, which, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, it worked out. Hallelujah. Um, and, and Lindy went to uh, many places in Southeast Asia, about five or six countries in Southeast Asia. And one of them, uh, she uh, is sitting with these, these group of gals on her missions trip. And they're sitting at a, uh, at a coffee shop. And this woman comes up. This woman comes up who is in, covered in dirt. Cover, and you know the type. Just use your imagination here covered in dirt, holding a little baby girl on her hip with no clothes. Just a little t-shirt, no clothes, no, no pants. And came up, oh, food, please help me. Please help me for food or clothes. Pointing food or clothes for the baby, okay? Food or clothes. And of course, this group of missions gals, they, um, they're like, oh, how can we not, right? I mean, this is, it's another gal. She's got a baby. It's clear that she needs this. And they, they give her a little bit of money. They give her a little bit of money. The next day, everyone say the next day. Everyone say the next day with a little bit more energy. The next day. The next day, they're sitting at the same coffee shop, but they've just gotten groceries, so they have their own bags. So they just went shopping. They have their own bags. And guess who shows up? The same gal shows up, and she comes up, and know what she does? She acts like she's never seen them before. They just gave, them, gave her money the, next, the, the day before. She shows up and says, oh, please, you have no idea. Food or clothes for my baby. And instantly, my wife, I can share this story. She instantly, there was a hardening of a heart. And hear this, receive this. This isn't about Lindy. This is about you. Personalize this story. There was a hardening of a heart and said, she has no idea I just gave. Doesn't even recognize us that we just gave. She, has, she probably does this for a living, has no idea who we are, don't care. They're not going to use the money like we are. What, how are they going to use the money? You know, I need my own money, right? One of those reluctances, one of those excuses, right? A hardening of the heart. 
And instantly, as when that gal, she didn't get anything. As that gal started walking away, the Holy Spirit instantly spoke to my wife and said, but did you notice? She has clothes on her daughter now. Sure, she asked for food again, but did you realize? Her daughter now has clothes. And when you gave yesterday, her daughter didn't have clothes. We may never know, this side of heaven, the impact of what we do, how it will affect people. Paul reminds us that ultimately God gets the glory for that harvest. We don't have to know what it's going to look like at the end. Ultimately, our obedience is not contingent on their response. When the Lord calls you to be obedient, he is faithful to provide. Your will, your bill, Lord. Hallelujah. If he tells you that he wants you to do it, be obedient to it under no pressure, obligation in this place. I give you no condemnation in this place. But if the Lord's tugging your heart right now, you don't have to know how the end of the story is going to look. You just got to know that it's part of God's story. Amen? Let me close for us in prayer. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your goodness in this place. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful uh, word, this beautiful word that is so close to your heart, exclusively connected to you, Jesus. Compassion. Lord, I pray that this compassion would well up within us, that this holiday season would not be marked with busyness, but could we trade busyness for blessing? Could we trade some of the hustle for hope like the first week of Advent. And Lord, we thank you that it is not exclusively on us, but Lord, that you are going to get the glory and honor and praise for every person that is shown compassion to, Lord. Would you give us wisdom in how to do that this holiday season? And we thank you for this beautiful message. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you. Thank you, Sterling. So uh, what is compassion and does it work? Um, if compassion is a law, no, it doesn't work. In fact, it actually works in reverse and turns people into Pharisees. But this is compassion. That on the night he was betrayed by all of us, because why did he die? Well, for the sins of the world. That's us. That on that night, he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat and do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper and having given thanks, he took the cup and he said, this is the covenant in my blood. And remember, the life is in the blood. Poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And then he said, drink of it, all of you. And do it in remembrance of, of me. And so if you um, have ever sinned, <laughs> I think he's inviting you to his table. Calling you to his table. And we invite you to tear off a piece of the bread and then dip it in the cup. And, and now this is, everything that um, Sterling just shared is what we've been preaching in First Peter. Um, because Jesus didn't, die for you so you wouldn't have to die. He, he died for you so you would die with him for somebody else. And we refer to his death as the passion, right? Suffering for you. And so when you take a piece of the bread, his body, and dip it in the cup, you ingest his passion into your what? Your, your splagizomai. It also means bowels in Greek. And then the passion that comes out of you is not a dead passion. It's the very seed of the living God that's taking root in the soil of your heart. Bringing his body together, which is all of us that have stopped loving love that we begin to love and God is love and Christ's body. I, I love Christ's body ministries because 
25 years ago, I went and spent the night on the street with Bruce McBog, who started Christ's Body. And the thing I loved about Bruce is he would just, he just really loved people. He'd just see them on the street and just go minister to them. And you're called to love the people in your life. And that is the very thing that brings Christ's body together. So does compassion work? Well, if it's this compassion, it's actually the only thing that works. And so we invite you to come to the table and trust that your creator has the deepest, most profound compassion on you. And he wants you to share that passion with the people that are around you. And then it works as it brings all of us together because a body that's unified in passion, like we've been talking about, one piece bleeding for the next piece, bleeding for the next piece, well, it experiences that passion as absolute joy. And that's what God is doing in this world. And he wants you to share in his joy. So come to the table and participate in the work of of Jesus. In his name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, uh, you know, just on behalf of Christ Body Ministries, so grateful to allow me and our team to be here with you. Um, we're going to collect the clothes that you've already given us, and we're going we're gonna, to um, put those in our vans and take those back to the ministry. I got Jay with me that we got a table out in the foyer. Listen, again, the, mes- the message that we have first is thank you. Second is that, you know, we believe that compassion language, that godly compassion compels us to action. So if the Holy Spirit is just convicting you today, it doesn't necessarily have to be with our ministry. Let that pour out of you. We exist to show compassion because he first showed it to us. And so we are grateful to be here. We're blessed to be a blessing. Uh, And so we thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart, from my family, from our ministry to be here with you. And we'll stick around in the foyer with you guys. Anything else we got? We're so thankful for you as well. And um, the only thing else I, the only thing I could add to that is I think it's a beautiful message that Mm -hmm. godly compassion compels us to give, to action, and the blessing is the giving. Mm. So give yourself this holiday season. The cost of that does not go up with inflation. (laughs) So it's good news. That's a good word. Um, (laughs) So I would just say, in Jesus' name, by way of benediction, be the gospel. Amen. Amen.